0: Come on folks, come on,
1: come on, come on! Ha ha ha! The price up! See the freak of all freaks! Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the beautiful Rain! Welcome to Now Playing Podcast's Blood Rain Retrospective Series. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. Are you sad, children? Hosted by Arnie. You seem to have your hands full. Justin. I've always admired your spirit. It's a shame you must die. Ed Stewart. Oh, I hear those voices. Your sickly, perverted voices... This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Fear is the way of the Lord, our Savior. Fear is what will keep the darkness from your door. Listener discretion is advised. So let's just make this short and bloody.
2: Today, we're discussing Blood Rain. Starring Kristana Loken, Michael Madsen. Matthew Davis, Will Sanderson, special appearance by Billy Zane with <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez and Sir Ben Kingsley. Dear God. Directed <laughs> by Uva <Uwe> Boll. <laughs> it's all
0: right, because I'm saved by the bull, This is Arnie, co host of Now Playing. And Stuart. And this is Justin. and... Now I'm wondering, can they revoke a knighting? Like, th- is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> they took back Millie Vanilli's
2: Grammy. I think they could take back something from Kingsley. I was shocked.
3: I didn't know he was going to be in this, I, and frankly, I didn't know we were going to do this. I uh, we were supposed to be churning through Uva Bowl movies last spring. And then, of course, COVID happened. And, you know, there just didn't seem to be a reason. People were already suffering enough, right? (laughs) Like, why continue down this path? We did other things. But, yeah, it's a new year. We just had some hot action with Wonder Woman 1984. Let's keep the female empowerment going with Blood Rain, a movie that I only knew about existing because... When I went to L.A. in 2005, the first gig I ever got was working in a film market where they were premiering this film. And people were running around, cosplaying, talking about it like it was going to be this giant blockbuster. I was actually a little starstruck because I got to meet Udo Kier. But other than that, I was like, what the hell? And yeah, then it just disappeared. I never knew it came out at all. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I have no memory of this as a game, no memory of this as a movie. The title is even just kind of generic, you know, Blood Rain, whatever. I mean, that that's something that just kind of washes over you and you forget about it. So I'm coming into this as a blank slate on all of it.
2: And I knew this movie came out because in 2002, if a game was coming out, primarily for PC, but also I was getting more into console gaming... Then I was reading all the gaming magazines. I was reading reviews. I was reading interviews with the devs and Blood Rain was a huge release in two thousand and two and It was in very early two thousand and three that they announced that a movie was being made i mean that is a fast turnaround from first game to movie deal right That was when Uva Boll decided he was getting all the properties
3: of the video game stuff. he really hadn 't he wasn't known yet as being destructive. Nobody knew what he would do to it. But I did go back and, and watch the cutscenes. You know, YouTube, you can... I don't have the game console to play it, but you can go watch other people play it. And I was surprised that so little of the movie we're here to talk about, at least in terms of plot and location, has anything to do with what I saw, which looked like basically Tomb Raider with a vampire and
2: Nazis. I played it. I did get it for the PlayStation 2 and I gave it some playing time and you know what? I actually liked the game. The graphics are incredibly dated. 3D games do not date well. If you're used to PlayStation 4 and 5 graphics to go back to a PlayStation 2 is a little bit like watching a Howdy Doody puppet show, but the game itself was actually pretty fun. What I'd say is it's Tomb Raider with more shooting and less puzzles. But your blood rain, a half human, half vampire who's recruited by the Brimstone Society, a secret society like the Masons who are out to kill vampires. And this happens in 1930s Louisiana. Yes. The first game does. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at some of those
3: scenes where she's jumping around a swamp. I'm like, Uva will never be able to afford this. So I knew some things weren't coming along. But yeah, the Nazis were the villain. It was kind of Hellboy in that way. They were Nazis that had gotten into mysticism. And so the more monsters she uncovered, the closer she got to this Mingala figure.
2: Yeah. At a certain point, it jumps five years in the future and then kind of Raiders of the Lost Arky, but I did enjoy the game, you have a lot of guns, you get a lot of swords for attack, but the most fun thing is this game, no worries about health packs, if you want to heal, one of your attacks is leap upon the victim, wrap your legs around them and your arms around them and bite into their neck, the more blood you drink, the more healing you get. So, and it's like an instant kill move. It's like a fatality, but it takes a little while to suck their blood. So if you're like surrounded, then people are going to be like hitting you while you're doing this. But it was just awesome to be fighting one of these things and be like, screw it, jump,
0: kill. It's a lot of fun. I mean, that does sound like a cool, unique way to bring health into a game type of system. So, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds cool. I mean, in the movie, she has blades that seem very... Very iconic. I'm, I'm assuming these blades are part of her character in the game then, yes?
2: Yeah, the twin arm blades, definitely. I prefer the guns, but <laughs> yeah, the those are her signature weapons.
3: And my sense was, again, I, when I saw the footage, it reminded me of... Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, were they trying to make her, like, sexy? Like, you know, there was the big thing about, like, Lara Croft was crowned the the sexiest video game character of all time. I felt like
2: they were trying to do something
3: here with Rain.
2: Oh, yeah. I remember in 2001, when this game was just being teased, a PC gamer cover that had her on it, and with the cleavage being shown, it's like... I might as well have just bought Maxim that month instead of a PC game or magazine. <laughs> I noticed something interesting. I don't think this is the very first game, but I do think this is the first mainstream video game to incorporate polyagonal jiggle. When <laughs> the women characters jump, the chest bounces a little bit. Yeah, it
3: is like Hooters the Game.
2: <laughs> and Blood Rain herself was the First video game character to pose nude for Playboy.
3: <laughs> okay. I Somehow that doesn't surprise me. Like, I figured, like, in some way, like, this was all just a pretext for nerds to, to create a woman that they could then, yeah, put as a centerfold.
0: Yeah, I mean, this whole property feels like, you know, very much of the time, just kind of taking... Things that were kind of in the zeitgeist and upping them, you know? So, like, Stuart, you already mentioned Lara Croft. So it's like we got a sexier Lara Croft type of Resident Evil type of character. What else is hot? Vampires. We got, you know.
2: She's Blade, right? Half human, half vampire.
0: (laughs) You know, sex and vampirism. That sells in 2002. So why not? And Buffy was
3: huge. Yeah, there was so much vampire stuff happening at that time. Underworld was starting to happen, and Twilight, the book series. Yeah, we forget now, but there was a time when you just couldn't escape vampires. So to have a vampire video game heroine made perfect sense. Why weren't there more, frankly?
2: Oh, there were. There was Vampire the Masquerade. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of vampire games around that time, too. But this one was kind of the breakout. It got good reviews. Playing it, I'll say this, I complained when we reviewed Tomb Raider, I hate jumping puzzles. And man, in this game, do I hate jumping puzzles. There were several of those that sucked, or died and died and died again, but other than those jumping puzzles, I had fun playing it, I would have continued. I'd say I was pretty meh on it, it's not like it was compelling me to come back and play more, like if it wasn't for this movie review, I would probably... Wouldn't have played as much as I did, but yet it was a perfectly acceptable way to pass the time and play some video games. As I was one of the lucky ones who got a PS5, I'd rather be fucking doing that,
0: but <laughs> <laughs> I'll play some PS2 shit. <laughs> so if, if, if somebody is a fan in 2002 of this property and they hear there's a movie being made of this property, what type of things is that fan hoping to see on the big screen brought from this game? Nazis. Nazis. Oh.
2: A sexy woman fighting Nazi vampires. <laughs> yeah, I would think that you'd want it
3: to look a lot like the Resident Evil movies. That would be my guess.
2: And I'd even have been satisfied if it just took from the first part of the game and had Rain as the new recruit to Brimstone and doing a mission in... In New Orleans, we've talked about New Orleans in several movie reviews. That town has a lot of character that can be brought in, especially 30s New Orleans. Yeah, you are kind of ripping off Interview with a Vampire, but I would have been fine even with just that setting for the first movie, thinking we're going to get there later. What I wouldn't expect is 18th century Romania... Yeah, it's Uva Boll, so he's got to,
3: what, create tax shelters and build the, you know, country of Germany for a bunch of money. Because remember, they pay half of whatever his budget is, and then he, you know, squirrels it away and, and keeps it all for himself. So my guess is that he talked a big game about, yeah, New Orleans, special effects, big stars, Oscar winners. And then, yeah, even though this supposedly has a $25 million budget...
2: It looks like an Uva Bowl production. I'm going to throw out a theory here as to why Uva did what he did. His next film, and he was talking about this next film considerably on the commentary, would be In the Name of the King. Yeah, I had
3: a feeling. There, there was something Tolkien vaguely about this.
2: It just feels to me like he was getting props and things for one movie so he could make two movies.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, a scouting trip. <laughs> turned into a, an entire movie shoot
3: even as lead actress she ended up being some kind of elf in a tree like swinging from a vine for a little bit in that film she does double duty here she's the star but in that film she was some kind of supporting character
2: yeah i remember we even mentioned her as blood rain and it made me look forward to this movie because she was one of the better actors in in the name of the king even if i didn't quite understand what the point of that was but I'd never seen this movie. I hadn't even played the Blood Rain games. Why would I see this movie even when it came out and I didn't know who Uva Bull was and to run, run, run away. But coming back, I was enjoying the games well enough. And then I see this is written by Guinevere Turner, the screenwriter for American Psycho. And I'm like, maybe she got a script to Uva before Uva was completely toxic. Maybe there's something here. Yeah, I I agree. Her name, she had indie cred. She made a little
3: film in Chicago called Go Fish that ended up being a breakout film of the 90s. And she was kind of the, if you were going to get lesbian projects going, her name was usually
2: associated. I think she's in Chasing Amy. I've never seen the movie. She is. She and Kevin Smith were kind of friendly because they broke out of the indie scene around the same time. It
3: gave me the impression, and I'm always getting this impression and finding out, nope, they're not doing it. But I thought this was going to be a sexier movie. I thought this was going to have a lot of heavy. There's one scene. uh, There's a scene against a jail gate. But otherwise, (laughs) I feel like the whole movie, I was expecting more maybe embrace the vampire and less, yeah, in the name of the king.
2: Especially with Uva making it, right? I mean,
0: we've heard his enjoyment of nudity. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we may never know what her original screenplay looked like because, according to some IMDb trivia, it said that she was rushed to turn in just a rough draft, which then never heard back from Uva. And they decided to just shoot somewhat of that rough draft and right on the go. So she basically had an outline.
2: Years ago, a listener sent me a video clip. This is, I think, early, early on in our retrospective series of video games. And I just kept this video clip without ever watching it. Did not know what it was. But he said, you need to watch this whenever you review Blood Rain. Okay. So I tucked this away in my memory. (laughs) And then I broke it out today. And what it is, is about two minutes of guinevere turner discussing the project of blood rain and how she was given this as a writing assignment she was working on it she had been given it very quickly and uva calls her up on the phone and is like where's my fucking script god damn it i need the script and so she <laughs> called her agent and is like he never calls me again never <laughs> So, two weeks pass, and she turns in rough draft number one. Like, okay, let's see what he thinks. Let's see what I refine. Let's see what we do. She gets a call from Uva the next day. This is great. I start filming tomorrow.
3: She's like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's everyone's experience that's professional that ends up working with this guy. I'd love to hear some Ben Kingsley stories.
2: And then she hears through the grapevine from somebody she's working with, maybe it was her agent, that as much as Uva loved the script, he rewrote about 80% of it. Mm. And then he handed it off to the actors so they could take a pass. <laughs> You know, that's what you
3: want, really. Like, you don't want your name really... I mean, her name is on it, and she got paid for it, presumably. But you don't want to claim that you wrote a Uwe Boll movie. That's a real stain, I think, on your resume.
2: I just picture Michael Madsen and Billy Zane sitting down and being like, Nope, this dialogue isn't true to my character. <laughs>
0: Do you really think Billy Zane was ever actually on set? Or was that just shot from his hotel room? Because I'm not sure.
2: If he was in Vegas, it could be. Yeah. Michael
3: Madsen just looks depressed as hell. I don't know what was going on in his life, but he spends the whole time waxing his sword. That's not a euphemism. He's literally just shining his sword the whole time. I don't think he fights anyone, but he shines that sword a lot.
2: So, Guinevere Turner ended her story By talking about going to the red carpet premiere in Los Angeles. Yeah, that was where I was at. Again, it was a big fucking deal. People were excited. And she was in the screening and laughing out loud. (laughs) She was the only one, but she was guffawing at this film. Like, what did they do?
3: I'm glad she could have that perspective because some people might, you know, be having suicidal thoughts or feeling that their career was over. But by this point, she was, yeah, working. She had other stuff to her name. She would shortly make a movie about the
2: notorious Betty Page pinup model. So, yeah, she didn't need this to be a hit. And she said she had distanced herself from it when she found out the actors were rewriting it. (laughs) She's like, I just have to let it go. (laughs) But no, that two-minute interview... With Turner told me more than a 90 minute commentary and a hour long IGN dinner with Uva, where two IGN reporters were literally sitting. It looks like in an office building eating takeout with Uva and talking about his films and how unappreciated they are, and how we at IGN love your movies, Uva. Yeah, we don't know about this Harry Knowles guy. Yeah, I think this is where the hate really
3: started, because up to that point, House of the Dead made money, and you could argue he had he had nothing to work with. So he probably just turned out junk, and, and, and we'll forgive him. I think you give a pass to something that nobody had any expectations for. But this was a $25 million movie based on a popular video game, Oscar-winning actors, and yeah, you hand in something this feeble. No surprise, this is when the Razzies turn up. They nominate it for everything. Doesn't win anything because I guess there were worse movies that year, like Lady in the Water and Little Man, but worst picture,
2: screenplay, actress, actor, supporting actress, they're all here. The Razzies are good at joint awards, you know, like, and Uva got nominated for worst director. For both Blood Rain and Alone in the Dark. No, he wasn't nominated twice. It's just like this guy did these two movies. Yeah. He is one of the worst.
3: Yeah, same year.
2: <laughs> he spent a lot of time on the Blood Rain commentary talking about how he's so happy this film has such great actors and not. Tara Reid I mean he just would not stop ripping on Tara (laughs) Reid and blaming her for Alone in the Dark see and the
3: funny thing was I was thinking just to preview my thoughts this movie needs more Tara Reid I need more (laughs) laughter in this I need someone really like delivering some brown arrows here
0: (laughs) she must have really really rejected him hard for him to (laughs) be so butthurt about that
2: (laughs) so this was my first time watching the film though and going in alright even with the writer being who it is I went in with the lowest of expectations which is helping Uva. this isn't a self-fulfilling prophecy when I go in and like this is gonna be some shit because a lot of times I do that and I'm happily impressed when it isn't the worst film in the world so I went in like oh god let's Glue to Uva again. At least it was based off of a somewhat cool game. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking it's like
0: you know, it's been a while since we've been in the bowl with bowl, and <laughs> you know, I was telling Stuart before we started recording, it's like you forget how bad he can be. So you, like, it's almost every time you go in, you have this like clean slate of like, I know this isn't going to be good, but I can't remember exactly why I should be afraid of this. But just the name induces fear. <laughs> so you go in tentative, and I'll, I'll give him this. I always come out with a new, fresh scent of crap on me every time we come out of one of these.
2: Well, like, coming out with a scent of crap like a baby, what you say reminds me of what I've heard about childbirth. If a woman actually remembered the pain of giving birth to a child, she'd never have a second child. But the mind kind of removes the pain. And like you said, she remembered it hurt, but she doesn't remember the actual pain until the baby's coming out again. Yeah. It comes back
3: to me, let me tell you. Yeah, it's been a long time since we reviewed those three In the Name of the Kings. And I couldn't even really even remember the third one. I'm like, what happened in that one? And now watching this one, it all, like, everyone that he had had his name on just came back to, like, punch
2: me in the face. It was like, oh, God, that's right. Yeah, the first (laughs) Blood Rain, because of the setting, being like In the Name of the King, I'm like... So next week are we gonna be in the year two thousand seven with Blood Rain, just like we did in the name of the gang with Dolph? (laughs) Yeah, I there's three of these. The bad news
3: is there's three Blood Rain. I gotta live through this two more times. The good news is we're running out of bowls. So like after we get through this trilogy, he's only got one other film that was a video game, Far Cry. So if we can just get through January, folks, we can leave Uva Bowl back with coronavirus and twenty twenty.
0: <laughs> oh, well let's kiss our cross
3: and
2: start that journey then. What's the plot, Arnie? In eighteenth century Romania, vampires threaten human existence. The only thing standing in their way is the Brimstone Society, an order devoted to killing vampires. One of the Brimstone leaders is Vladimir, played by Michael Madsen. Because when I think of Michael Madsen, I think of people named Vladimir. <laughs> he and his two lieutenants Katarin played by Michelle Rodriguez
3: (laughs) it is like a fucking contest like who's gonna do the least in
2: this movie (laughs) can she be fast and furious on a horse (laughs) no (laughs) not for lack of trying and Sebastian played by Matthew Davis are hunting for one who may be able to aid their quest a half-vampire, half-human dampfer named Rain, played by Kristana Loken. As a Dampfer, Rain does not crave human blood. Any creature's blood will do. But she is still susceptible to water. <laughs> and in the game, it's not just holy water. Any water will burn a vampire. And I kind of think that's the case in this movie. It's, uh, we'll talk about it. I don't know how they bathe. Rain had been captured by a circus and used as a freak show, but she escapes and has only one goal. To kill her father, Kagan, King of the Vampires, played by Ben Kingsley. Kagan sired Rain through rape, then years later murdered Rain's mother while Rain watched. A fortune teller tells Rain of Kagan's current quest for absolute power. An ancient vampire named Bilal was immune to vampire weaknesses. He was killed and dismembered. But three body parts remain, an eye that protects vampires from water, a rib that protects them from the Holy Cross, (laughs) and the heart that makes them immune to sunlight. To get to Kagan, Rain retrieves the mystical eyeball from a nearby monastery, but when she examines the eye, it is absorbed into her, thus making her immune to water's harmful effects. But as she tries to leave the monastery, Kagan's army attacks. Luckily, that's also when Vladimir and his Brimstone troops arrive. A battle ensues and Rain is captured by Brimstone. Rain and Vladimir agree to work together to stop Kagan, and Sebastian falls in love with Rain. But Katarin is suspicious of the half-vampire in their ranks. She retrieves the heart, intending to give it to her father, a vampire named Elric, played by Billy Zane. (laughs) Because we needed more bad acting in this movie. But Rain susses out Katarin's betrayal and kills her. Rain uses the heart to get to see Kagan. He captures her and plans a ceremony to extract the eye, but aided by Vladimir and Sebastian, they escape and fight Kagan and his troops. Vladimir and Sebastian are both slain in battle, but Rain kills Kagan. With the king of vampires dead, Rain sits in Kagan's throne as credits
0: roll. Yeesh. Yikes.
2: And I'm watching this. And I'm like, okay, it starts off an Uva Bull film. And I'm thinking you could just replace the FBI warning because this is only on DVD from what I can tell, no Blu ray. So I was forced to look at that old low res red FBI warning. I'm like, you could just say an Uva Bull film and that'll scare people more than the FBI <laughs> warning. But then I saw the cast. I mean, I didn't know who was in this coming in other than the Terminatrix playing Blood Rain. So I'm sitting here like, Michael Madsen? Well, he's done some shit, but I really liked him in the early 90s. Michelle Rodriguez? Hey, she's been fun in a lot of things, including that first Resident Evil. Ben Kingsley? Geraldine Chaplin? I'm like, there's some people in here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I paused it to make sure that they weren't pulling a fast one and it was like some other actor with... Ben Kingsley's name, but spelled slightly different. It's like, nope, it's actually Sir Ben Kingsley. Okay. Yeah. Which begs
3: the question, does Uva Boll know how to hypnotize? Because like, I feel like these people are here in body, but not in spirit. Like, I don't not know what's going on with Ben Kingsley. Did he eat something that gave him paralysis? Like, his face doesn't move. He's, like, stiff in the joints. Is he in a body brace or something? But I swear to God, like, they got a a waxwork dummy that looked like Ben Kingsley, but I don't think it was Ben Kingsley.
2: I wonder if this was something, because it was filmed in Romania, that all these people did, thinking it was a good, easy payday. They said in the commentary, Kingsley was on set for only, like, a week, a week and a half. And he'd take home a million or so and just... It would never be seen (laughs) nobody would ever have to know that they really did this. I mean, there's a lot of movies that come out overseas that have stars in them that we never really know about. And they're happy with that. And this has a $25 million budget. It didn't go into effects. I'll say that much right away. <laughs> yeah. So it had to have gone to the salaries of these people. Well, let's ask the question. I mean, it, it's it's a really intriguing one. You are a hungry
3: actor and you want to make a big splash and they're offering you a million dollars to be in an UVA Bull film. Is it worth it? Like, is that money worth what is going to happen to you when you're
0: dragged through it? Well, I mean, like we said earlier, this is early enough in the UVA Bowl game that, like, you just might not know. So you just kind of have to take a guess. Like, you know, this is a big video game, and video games are the thing right now. So roll the dice and, you know, be in this video game movie. So if this was... 2011 2012 then we start blaming some of these actors for being like come on you should have known better i really do my heart
3: bleeds for michael madsen it's so clear that he's given up on life like in this movie <laughs> he is so sad like in every scene just hulking there going man 10 years ago i was with tarantino and i didn't get into that pulp fiction movie and my life has been shit
2: ever since just to put this in context He was
3: in Kill Bill the year before this. Okay, I forgot. That's right. He and Tarantino did patch it up. What the fuck? Okay.
2: (laughs) Well, in a later commentary, Uva said Michael Madsen was drunk all the time. He took a moment off ripping on Tara Reid to rip on Michael Madsen for a while and about how he was never sober.
3: Okay.
2: It feels like he's not there. Like, there in body, but not... And again, who can
0: blame him? I'd hit the bottle. I mean you're on blood rain. Uva bull
3: is yelling at you.
0: Why cast him other than the name? Because he's not period appropriate. I mean he's just playing Michael Madsen, dude from New Jersey. Yeah. Vladimir. You
3: know? Yeah. The other guy, Sebastian, I I didn't know him, but I looked him up and he's on Vampire Diaries. I'm like, well, that's perfect. You've just been churning out this vampire shit all your life. You deserve this. But Michael Madsen did not. And Michelle Rodriguez, Woo! she feels angry. She feels angry to be there, like she got tricked. You can just feel her resentment in
2: every, like, moment of action. Well, that actually may have been just kind of her attitude. I've never thought she was the greatest of actors, and you know, she was arrested for assault several times in the years before this. She was Cited for drunk driving the year this came out. She'd been fired from doing the TV show Lost.
3: Okay, all right, so here's a new question. You are in jail, and you can get out if you do an UVA <laughs> Bowl film. So, wouldn't you just rather stay in the cell? I mean, I would. Yeah, what's the sentence?
2: <laughs> it's like that scene from The Stand when Lloyd is trapped in prison eating the rat and... The walking dude comes and offers him a way out. I could just see Uva Bull walking in and offering you a way out.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'd rather pick up trash by the side of the road. Anything else, community service of any kind, don't make me do this blood rain shit. But all right, so they're all here, looking as happy to be there as anyone else, and they find out that there's a, this bartender tips them off that there is some kind of demon, some red haired freak in a nearby circus, and they go off a questing because she's the one. And so we're to understand that they've been looking for a vampire savior to lead their anti-vampire crusade.
2: Yeah, in the game... It's a little bit different. The Secret Society Brimstone is a little bit more secretive, and you get to hear argument. Like, one of them doesn't want to bring in a half-vampire, but she is already a vampire killer because she is hunting for her father when the first game just starts. She never finds him in that first game, but she is looking for him, and they say she's a vampire killer already. She'll be great because she's such a great fighter. Let's bring her in. But here, it's almost like Vladimir thinks he's found the golden child. And they even say she's a damn fear, not she's the damn fear. So other hybrids have existed. But man, despite Katerin's
0: bitching all the way... He is bound and determined we're going to find her. Playing into that chosen one trope that, you know, I'm not even sure Uwe Boll understands. It's just something he's seen in other movies. Like we've said almost every time we're reviewing one of his movies, he sees something somewhere else and says, yes, I want to I want to put that in my film.
3: What an entrance too! like they have somebody chop up a candle and then she comes out and gets her hand dunked in water and burns off. I'm like, this is your trick. This is, like, the circus, like, main event? Like, we we disfigure people for your entertainment? And, you know, for all
0: of the pomp and circumstance of this scene, I wish they would have, like, at least used it as more of an explanatory tool than just showing us. Because I think what they're trying to show us is that just plain old water, like Arnie said earlier will damage her. But they don't mention that. They just dip her hand in a bucket of some liquid, which could have been acid or even holy water if we are to know at this point she is a vampire. They don't call that out.
3: That's right, kids. The new sexy star of this stanks to high heaven. She has never touched (laughs) a drop of water. Like, doesn't that instantly kill her sex appeal to see her like this feral animal in a cage that has never bathed? Like, that just, woof.
0: Dry clean
3: only.
2: Well, I was wondering if she could use like alcohol wipes or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if those have been invented yet. In
3: fact, I bet they were invented to wipe her ass because, yes, <laughs> I cannot deal. Like, you might be the star of our circus, but before we get to the next town,
0: we're hosing you down with something. Is that the elephants? No, that's our attraction. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense, though, because even blood is like 95% water. Any liquid she drinks should kill her automatically.
2: But later on, they try to kind of be like, Like, well, holy water, and of course, holy water with vampires. But at one point, they're on a boat, and Michael Madsen's like... Just being on this boat would kill her if she wasn't a damn fear. (laughs) I don't know this term. Damn fear? Like, did we discuss
3: this in Blade? I don't remember that being a... uh, It is apparently a term that exists outside the game, but... Well, yeah, he was
0: the master of the pan flute, right? (laughs) Yes.
3: I think you're right. I had a couple of his albums back in the 90s. (laughs) Apparently, it's Balkan's
2: folklore.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's goddamn fucking Romania. Like, everything that's (laughs) wrong here starts with Romania.
2: Now... I understand what Bull said in the commentary. When he said it, it makes sense. While this is not the setting of the Blood Rain video game, first he said, and this doesn't make sense, I was looking at making a prequel. Well, no, then you wouldn't have done some of the stuff you did here, like have her join the society. But the other thing is he's like, let's take it back to Dracula. Romania, Transylvania. The start of Vampires, let's go there to do this film and go to that period. And I can understand that instinct. It's not an adaptation of the game if you wanted to make Dracula, but I could see why you'd think Vampires, let's go there. And I really wonder if that was in Turner's original script. I'm guessing the one thing that she would have had is this
3: lesbian relationship. At some point, we realize the the amazing Amanda who cuts up candles with her sword, like, has some dreams of running away with blood rain to a place where she doesn't reek. And they, (laughs) like... Through weird editing, we find out that, like, Blood Rain really wasn't into her at all. Like, she just stabs her and takes her swords and, and runs away in tears.
2: But she felt bad. She bit her, not stabbed her, and then stopped before killing her and runs away. She's, like, a little sorry for doing it. Oh, you're right. She, she stabs the ringmaster
3: because he's cruel, and then some assistant that tried to sexually assault her. But if this was supposed to be a tragic downfall moment, and I think it should be, I think it should be something, that the character is trying to atone for for the rest of the movie. If you were designing the script so that it actually resembled other good movies, you would want her to be in a low place and working towards atoning for killing her one true love here.
0: Yeah, instead they leave her alive, which makes you think for a moment like, okay, well then maybe she becomes once bitten and now she's this shadow lurking that's going to follow Rain as Rain goes on her journey and ends up you know, being her ultimate downfall. Oh, nope. The other guys show up and just immediately stab her.
3: That's <laughs> so great. With, like, Vladimir, just like, oh, she's still alive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Done,
3: okay.
2: <laughs> and she's like, no, no, I'm
1: okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I guess they have, a like, a no-tolerance policy towards vampires, which, again, makes it so strange that they want a vampire of their own. Like, all of this needs much more explaining, I feel like, to the layman, or maybe even the video game fan. I feel like all of this is reminding me of how much I hate Uva Bull storyteller.
2: Yeah, to be perfectly honest, I watched this movie twice because the first time I watched this movie, I couldn't follow everything that was going on because all of these relationships and all of these different sex and there's like five different groups all fighting in here. You get Meatloaf later on and Billy Zane later on. And when I watched this at the end of the first time, I was just like, I can't write a plot summary. I didn't <laughs> understand shit. Yeah, that's his talent, right? (laughs) Watching it a second time, because I knew some of the things that happened, I was able to catch some of the lines, but relationships are not well established Mm-mm. they are established but you really have to almost read every word of this to make sure you know where everything is going but my joy here is michael madsen because first of all that guy can't even carry a sword like he knows what he's doing Mm-mm. let alone stab this woman through and his delivery is so slow yeah yeah <laughs> clearly like opiates or something like
3: i don't know what like a downer i i got that much like whatever you're on it's like lowering your your whole ability to move to open your eyes like you could just see it's the struggle is real for this man <laughs> in everything whatever it is it, it makes him look in the mirror and say like yep this haircut's fine <laughs> but you're right it's
2: killing me he was just working with Tarantino that he should be on an upswing and you you mentioned the hair justin that's probably a wig, but it looks like it hasn't touched water in years either. It's the <laughs> greasiest, stringiest whatever it is. Yeah, I don't think he likes water any more than she does. <laughs> <laughs> so let's
3: walk through her powers. Like, uh, so a damn fear, as far as we're to understand it, because they're half human, they can wear crucifixes. It's worth pointing out that Amanda gave her a crucifix to wear around her neck for protection and she has no problem with crosses, she has no problem with daylight. Correct, she's a day walker like Blade. Right, so it's water of any kind, and then she has this power, like she'll come across this carriage, and I don't know if the sword fighting is damn fear or just that she's the badass, but she makes it to this town and she can see vampires when they're hiding their fangs and all of that. She can look at someone and read them and know that they're undead. It's her vamp tar. Yeah, she has vamp tar as well. So, like, these are the
0: powers that she's dealing with. Before we put the daywalker thing into the checked off column for sure, <laughs> then why, why did they rush her out of the brothel with meatloaf under a tarp like the sun would burn her? They kept her under that tarp throughout the entire journey.
3: Maybe they don't know. Maybe they changed the script. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) Guinevere Turner's laughing again. Most of these scenes are at night, but I'm pretty sure there's some moments with her walking around in the day at some point.
2: Yeah, there definitely are. She's immune to sunlight and crosses from the get-go, and then later on she's going to become immune to other things, but yet a squirt gun and she's screwed. Right. And so her father... Is Ben Kingsley,
3: who in weird flashbacks, help me out here, raped her mother, thus siring her, but then also killed her in the same
2: act. So I don't know how the baby was grown and born. It's confusing because what she said is, he raped and murdered my mother while I watched. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I have so many. Do we just leave it there and walk away? I mean. Uh. Well, here's what it is. He raped her mother and she was sired. Years later, he came back for more. Oh God. Okay. And he also wanted to know about a child in case, you know, by the way, did you get knocked up last time? I want to know where the child is. And then he murders the mother, while she's in the closet and, like, eight years old. But when she says raped and murdered, it sounds like it was all at one
3: time. Yes! That's why I was so confused. So that child is her watching, but she hasn't... Okay, all right, you're right. So he just habitually assaulted this woman and then found out he had a daughter, and so what does that mean for Kagan? He doesn't want to have a lineage... Or he wants her to sit on the throne next to him. Unclear. Yeah. The fact that she's
2: half human makes her a threat. I think that. That's what I'm reading. It would be wonderful if there was one line of the dude with the funky haircut talking to Kagan being like, Do you think she's the prophesied damphier that will (laughs) upset your rule? I would love some explanatory
3: sentences or yeah just just a data dump every now and then just to let me know what I should be taking in because watching this movie as i'm reminded every time i watch a overblown movie the disjointedness the hiccups, the feeling like you're watching scenes where nothing's happening, and then you cut to the next scene, and something major happened in between that you never knew about. <laughs> like, I just, there's so many times I'm like, huh? Really? Okay. Hanging on with fingernails here, just barely
0: following this movie. We do get one data dump, and it was very hard to pay attention to because it was a Ben Kingsley monologue, and it was basically a voiceover. And the only thing I took away from it was that it was obviously recorded while he was on the phone after just getting the (laughs) script. This was so rushed. I mean, it didn't even sound like it was a character.
3: The table read. Yeah, he's he's bad. He's as bad as I've ever seen him. I didn't know Ben Kingsley could be this bad. Again, it looks like paralysis to me. It looks like he ate a toxin and like his whole, like every muscle just froze up. And he's just like, he can sort of half blink or something, but he's essentially a
0: quadriplegic in this movie. He's watching his career off in the distance.
2: I've seen him badly miscast in the past, but never like this.
0: Mm-mm. No,
3: i really I can't think of a movie like that he slummed it in like this.
2: Not slumming, but I feel like he was miscast in Sneakers. Okay. I feel like he was not right for that role, and he's trying to do something outside of his range, playing the character he is, like some kind of hacker. It's like, no, Ben Kingsley, you're not. <laughs>
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll agree with you without ever seeing that movie. If he's playing a computer <laughs> hacker, probably not the script he should have got received.
2: And that's the one that comes to mind. I've seen a lot of Ben Kingsley in movies. That's just the one I've seen most often and thought, maybe that shouldn't be who was in that role. But here... Yeah, as vampire king of the 18th century who's going to have a sword fight. That... <laughs> Paralyzed, by the way. I'm not,
3: somehow, like, maybe that was, like, the acting challenge, like, how do I fight with a sword without ever moving any part of my body? <laughs> like, <laughs> Okay, we'll just have the editor, like, cut around me, like, in an amazing montage. Rapid fire.
2: Well, Bull said that he was really happy to have Matthew Davis, there, the one from Vampire Diaries, because you give Ben Kingsley, Michael Madsen, or Michelle Rodriguez a sword, and no. <laughs> you just yeah. had to cut away real fast and bring in the stunt doubles. They couldn't ride horses either.
3: So, mm-hmm.
2: so there was a lot of stunt doubling going on for everybody. <laughs> yeah, let's get to the first big action scene. It's
3: in this monastery, like rain, all of a sudden is questing to get some eye. Like, she realizes that from some fortune teller that
2: she needs to find a, like, severed eye. That is the worst storytelling trope being used in this movie, is Rain is just, like, out there, like, I'm looking for my daddy. A random fortune teller, played by Charlie Chaplin's daughter, (laughs) shows up and, like, flips a couple of playing cards and is like, go to the monastery. That is so unfulfilling to have such a passive character that just, hey, in a Dasex Fortune Teller. Here you go, <laughs> v- pointing you in the story. It felt like a video game. You must go to the monastery and retrieve the eye, but beware the monk's mutated guard. You know, you can say that at the beginning of a video game mission and I'm like, okay, now I know my mission. I'm going to go do that. You do it in a movie and I'm just like, shit, you do not know the basics of storytelling. Not only that, but if you're going to play
3: a video game, an action video game, if I saw... This- this next scene, I would have thought like the screen froze up or something. Like, <laughs> th- like there's some kind of ghoul, some triple chinned, pasty ghoul sitting outside a locked room wearing the crucifix key that will get her in and we have this clumsy Resident Evil battle where she does like a half somersault and takes a whack-a-mole mallet and puts his face down. And they show it to us twice from two different takes. I mean, that's staggering, right? That that moment tells you this is not even going to deliver on basic action.
0: Right, and as bad as these things are, at least it was giving me hope that it's like, oh, maybe for once we're following actual parts from the game and mm-hmm. putting them to a movie you know because that just never happens in these video game movies especially when Uba bowl is at the helm but like seeing the fortune teller like arnie said just lay it out dryly and then getting to this monastery where it's mm. obviously a mission quest and it's like okay great at least, they're at least fitting these fan servicey things into the script oh no this has nothing to do with the video game okay great so it's just Bad storytelling and bad movie making. I assume there were, like, in bosses like this guy. Maybe this ghoul is modeled on something from the game.
3: I don't know why you go with this as a design. And certainly, if he can't fight, the poor man doesn't appear to be able to lift the mallet up, even in this, this very <laughs> badly choreographed scene. It's just, I mean, that's a total loser. God, has, has there ever been a video game movie that had a good plot? No. But you can have... No plot and get people excited if you deliver some action, but this, this is just, I mean, again, this is the moment where everyone, like, turns it off. There's nobody watching this movie anymore that doesn't have to review it for now play.
2: Okay, <laughs> it's funny you said that, because I literally have in my notes at this moment, I'd have turned this movie <laughs> off now.
3: Exactly. It's a universal. You're not unique in that. I believe all people can come around and rally behind the idea that, yeah, what, what we're about 30 minutes into
2: this film, fuck it. There are other things to do in life. We do not need this. This happens to Marjorie and I sometimes. We'll be flipping through Netflix or Hulu, find a movie, be like, okay, we know some of the people who acted in it that give this credibility. Vampire movie, Michael Madsen, Michelle Rodriguez, Ben Kingsley. If they signed on, it can't be utter crap. And then, like, we watch 15, 20 minutes and are just like, abort, abort, abort. We're wrong choice. And that's where I'd have been with this if it wasn't for now playing. But I gotta think, the money went to the actors, right? Because it did not go to the action. I do not know how many times in this movie... They do a whip pan to somebody, like an arrow is being shot or a sword is being thrown, and it's already in the person quite obviously. Oh, these sound effects are so
3: hilarious too. Like the, fo- I'm even going to dog the Foley artist here, but like, <laughs> like when they're swinging the swords and the clanking, it sounds like pots and pans. I'm like, oh my God, this is just, it's some of the worst action I've ever seen in a video game movie. I'm not talking about, of course, it's a bad movie. Like we knew that coming into it, but like, I didn't think, that Uwe Wold couldn't have filmed an action scene. But this is just proving that, like, it's just so clumsy. And then it gets no better when she gets in the room, they decide there was this cool, I've probably forgotten now, this cool, like, little sci-fi minimalist movie from the early 2000s, Cube. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, the whole gimmick of it was people would enter these rooms with booby traps. And here, like, this one's got, like, a buzzsaw thing going on. She, again, I don't think this woman can even do a cartwheel. Like she kind of like <laughs> half cartwheels over there and they just stop and suddenly
0: it's filling with water. <laughs> this is where I got really confused because I don't think they sufficiently set up that just any old water can kill her. So I thought the danger here was, oh, you have to get out of this room before it completely fills up and you drown. But no, it only fills up like an inch. But she's in a monastery. It could be holy
2: water.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I, I had forgotten the whole thing about the water... By this point, I, I, I'll be honest, I had turned it off and gone and done other things for about five hours and came back and had forgotten the early scene in the circus with the water. So it didn't have a whole lot of suspense that it was filling with water other than I thought she would drown. I couldn't understand the conflict that she didn't want it to touch her body and was hanging from the sword she impaled in the ceiling. And then it gets weirder. So, again, <laughs> she has this eyeball and she's just it's just dangling there and it looks at her and all of a sudden it's become her eye. So she has two different colored eyes. She has a blue and a green eye now. And now that gives her the power to touch water because the person that originally had the power was a vampire that could, like, yeah, defy sunlight and crucifixes and what have you, and yet somehow is dead and dismembered and his body parts are all over the country.
0: Wasn't that immortal? Another thing that feels like it should be something they took from the game to put on the screen. I think it is. Didn't they do something with body parts in that first
2: one? Oh, yes, absolutely. And this this movie is kind of a combination of the first two games. In the first game, you are finding the body parts of Belial, but it's not for Kanan, her father. And in the second movie, you go and find her father, who's a Nazi and working with... uh, But... (laughs) So they're kind of combining the storylines from those two things. Okay. And putting it in the 18th century for reasons. Uh, again, getting a spare
3: eye is just like a weird thought. And it gets weirder, like a spare rib? And they give it to Ben Kingsley? I imagine he's going to get like like a bib or something and like start digging in like with barbecue sauce and like a rib? What are you giving Ben Kingsley like, a <laughs> rib for? <laughs> he's Gandhi. He can't eat that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He swore off meat products. <laughs>
0: And shouldn't they be body parts that there's only one of rather than like if there are these special things like there's another eye out there, then there's plenty more ribs where that came from. He needs to get some functioning arms and legs this is what he needs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I do not understand. And in the game, there are more body parts of Blale. But <laughs> I think here they were wise to bring it down to three. I agree why this rib, maybe it's the same rib like Adam's rib. You know, like Adam in the Garden of Eden, he gave God a rib from his body, and that rib became Eve. That kind of
3: a thing. Mm-mm. I don't know that kind of thing. I don't know anything about magical ribs. I feel like that is something you don't do. Anyway, so all of a sudden the monastery is overrun by thralls. Because thralls are
2: human beings that work for vampires because... it said, I caught this the second time, they do it for fear for their own life. The vampire king will have them all slaughtered if they don't follow what he says. Okay, so
3: yes, suddenly the monastery is overrun and Udukir, my favorite character actor, is dead. And all of a sudden, Vladimir and the crew ride in here... And again, sucky action, can barely follow what's going on. Before you know it, Rain is being hauled away by this doofus. Like, he really has, like, a Ashton Kutcher kind of, like, he just, you, you cast him in, like, the teen movie as the dumb guy, right? This, what, what's, even his name is dumb. It's Domester? Domester? <laughs> dumpster I, <laughs> dumpster i you know what whatever he's taking him off to see meatloaf
2: who is in this film <laughs> and i the commentary explained it kristana loken and meatloaf have the same agent <laughs> but did they after the movie came out because i would have fired his ass because kristana put a call in and got meatloaf over there <clears throat> to be surrounded by By Romanian prostitutes.
0: (laughs) I was going to ask you if that was part of the commentary. Yeah. Prostitutes are cheaper than actresses.
2: That's how they paid him, I'm sure. Yes. (laughs) I'm thinking, well, Bull was talking about how when Meatloaf wasn't on set, you know, probably, what, a day, day and a half for his two scenes, one as a human and one as a vampire, maybe, for the makeup. But when Meatloaf wasn't there... Uva had the tough job of being the stand-in for Meatloaf, surrounded by all the naked prostitutes. And Kristana Loken is like, I was on set every single day, even if I wasn't in frame, I was there with my character. I was laying there on the ground when the naked prostitute was standing above me. That was not a view I needed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well,
3: again, this scene, it'd be one thing if it were like, Stimulating and sexy, but I feel like it's over with a couple broken windows. Like, no sooner have they gotten to this harem than Vladimir is like breaking out the sunlight and everyone like burns into skeletons.
0: But not before they walk through like a vampire orgy buffet type of thing in the basement.
3: Yeah, they were like milking them for blood. So there was. There was an extended... Was that hot? Again, I keep waiting for this movie to get hot and sexy because obviously it's not scary
2: and obviously it's not exciting. It was not hot nor sexy. It was interesting. It's probably the best visual in this entire movie, to be perfectly honest, is because there's some weird things going on there, but it's never explained. And so it's like, that was great. I wish I knew what the... Fuck it was.
3: Yeah. Something a better idea for another movie that just should have been repurposed elsewhere. Because again, you could have done something here, but uh, a lot of wasting time, a lot of disjointedness. It's worth pointing out only Vladimir and Sebastian are here because Michelle Rodriguez is off doing some kind of like dirty work for her father. Here's a subplot. I'm assuming that in
2: the extended cut made more sense. Okay, no, it didn't. The extended cut is four minutes longer, and I'll tell you exactly where the four minutes is. It's all in one place. Oh. So we really
3: don't understand why Billy Zane used to run Brimstone, got bit by a vampire, and now wants a coup.
0: Well, he's working from inside the castle.
3: He is?
2: Yes. Yes.
3: Oh. Is that where that is? That room that he's,
2: like his two scenes are in? <laughs> I believe so. He is... Close with the king. I mean, the fact that Dumpster goes and sees the king and
3: then goes and... He throws him a head. A severed (laughs) head at some point. He walks in and throws a severed head. Oh, because they're at the same place. Okay. (laughs) I missed that.
2: Yeah. And apparently, what I took... And again, on the first watching, I'm like, how does Billy Zane work into all of this? Why does... Rain kill Katerin, I was very, very confused. Second watching, I get this. Okay, now it it is fucking confusing because Rain's father is a vampire, so she's a damn fear. Well, Katerin's father is a vampire, but she's just a human because he was turned later. We never find out how or why, but he became a vampire at some point. Having two vampire fathers who are warring against each other is confusing. And then he is trying to plan a coup because only he and his daughter Katerin know where the heart is and he wants her to bring him the heart. I don't know why he doesn't want to go get the heart himself, but he (laughs) wants her to bring him the heart.
0: Because he's a political prisoner. He's not free to leave that castle.
2: Okay, maybe. All right.
3: I feel like, (laughs) obviously, it's not really well articulated, but I think you guys are on to something that I just wasn't picking up or wanting to even receive at this point. So there's really two places. There's Kagan's Castle, and then there's this brimstone place that's very anti-vampire. And they have, for reasons, in the basement, the heart. like, But they don't know it, because it's like in this submerged cavern thing.
2: But the heart is in Brimstone.
3: and I think that's
0: known. They just don't know where Brimstone is.
2: There are several Brimstone bases across the world. Uh, And slowly, Kagan (laughs) is taking them over. Remember, Kagan gets the rib. It's because Dumpster shows up, brings him some jewelry, and says, The spoils from Rome. They went to Rome and destroyed the Brimstone base there got the rib, and brought it back with some jewelry. We see none of this. It's all off-screen. Yeah, okay. I'm like,
3: I remember that line, and I remember Dumpster throwing him a box and being told there's a rib inside, and really, again, the rest of the time, I just sat there wondering, did he eat the rib? Did he stick it in his stomach? (laughs) Did he stick it up his
2: ass? What did he do to get the rib in him? (laughs) Did it absorb into him? Could we not afford that effect to show what happened to the eyeball happening
3: to the rib? I just... I would find myself daydreaming about, like, how things were working. And so I'm missing nuances. I'll admit that I've been a bad viewer. I wasn't giving it my full attention, maybe. But there's just a lot of dead space at this point in the movie, too. They wind up at, I thought it was only one brimstone, but they wind up at the brimstone with the heart in the basement. Is that where they are? I thought that was yet another brimstone. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez is very mad that Vladimir lets her out of the cage and we have a vampire damn fire whatever the hell you want to call her walking around and eating their food and like everyone there is a human being that's kind of weirded out that this half vampire is amongst them
0: yeah, that's their main sanctuary. That's the hidden place that they're trying to find because they know the heart has been hidden there. That's where the love story is supposed to be
3: starting up, that suddenly Sebastian and Rain are sparring. There's a lot of quick editing that makes you think that she's getting better when she's not, but like <laughs> she's supposedly becoming a better sword fighter, and he is talking about his dead parents. Again, so much about parents and what have you, but he's falling in love, and then... Is Michelle Rodriguez jealous? Is she just plotting the invasion of her father? I I really don't know, but it's it's it feels like a good twenty minutes of the movie.
2: I think there's a lot of time spent at this base, too much time, even though it's only a ninety-minute movie. And what was said in Billy Zane's letter is that Brimstone is falling apart, according to this letter from. Billy Zane and so he's telling her bring me the heart because we need to fight the vampires alone we can't trust Brimstone anymore and the fact that since the very first scene even before getting Billy Zane's letter Katerin's like Vladimir, are you really ordering us to go find somebody from a circus? Vladimir, are you really bringing this <laughs> half-vampire into our base? Vladimir, she, you know, I I think she's just not trusting of this. And meanwhile, you wanted heat. You do get one hot scene. I think you can't make a Blood Rain movie without giving the fans what they want. Blood Rain topless. I mean, they put it in a Playboy. You got to put it in the movie for reasons she's going to literally jump Sebastian's bones.
0: Yeah, I
3: I always feel like... I mean, I know you want to have a crazy, wild sex scene. Again, I thought the movie would be replete with all of this stuff. I I wanted and encouraged it to be a bad exploitation film. But, like... it's almost like she's trying to hide her breast, though, because she's, like, pressing him against the bars. And, I again, I kept thinking about, like, that must be really uncomfortable for him. Not only does she reek to high heaven, but, like, he's getting his head bashed repeatedly against metal prison bars. Like, it just it takes away a lot from the scene. Yeah, if it was supposed to be sexy, it, it just came off feral. Yes. Like when my dog humps my leg kind of feeling.
0: <laughs> I mean, she was wrapped around him in a a really awkward position. Yeah, the whole thing's weird. But that pose is very similar to the pose
2: in the video game when you bite people and kill them. Like, you jump on them and wrap your legs around them and bite them. So here, she jumped on him, wrapped her legs around him, and humped him. Can I make a guess at what the four
3: minutes are is it michael pare as this weaponsmith that they go to
2: don't even try to get it is nothing you want <laughs> it is not going to explain a goddamn thing
3: well <laughs> i just i mean michael pare was the star of the 80s eddies and the cruisers he's popped up in a few uva bull films at this point he has this completely meaningless scene where i think he is giving them weapons or something And it's while they're getting that, then the Thralls are invading the Brimstone. I guess it's just an excuse to have them away so that Michelle Rodriguez can betray everyone and kill women and children.
2: Yeah, I completely, the first time I watched this, did not gather why Michelle Rodriguez was betraying them. I saw Michelle Rodriguez and Rain, you know, they did some sword fighting, some sparring just to see what's up. But then, yeah, there's this invasion... And Rain seems to abandon them. But what she's really doing is going off after Rodriguez, who's gone fishing. And they're going to have an underwater fight. And I wish I could see it.
0: Yeah, in in a better movie, there's somewhat of a compelling story here. I mean, you have... Two characters at odds on the same mission, essentially. One trying to destroy her father. One trying to save her father. That's, that's a compelling story. Now work with that. Couldn't they just be both the, like sisters? Couldn't they just be daughters of the same father? And
3: thus that's a natural competitive edge. I mean, look at me trying to help this movie. There's a million things they could have done to make this make more sense. That's just one idea tossed off my head in a second. But, yeah, it just seems like that particularly... Since Billy Zane will never be in the rest of the movie, I think he lives. Everyone else in this film is like a corpse at the end, on the ground in the castle at the end. But I think somehow Billy Zane is still in that room
0: waiting for his heart and ribs. Oh yeah, we needed a shot of him slinking off into the distance after all the bodies hit the floor.
2: post credit scene, I mean, I know this was before (laughs) Iron Man and it wasn't all the rage. But, you know, you could have had a little tease at the end that the sequel would be zany. But I think that what you would want to do in this case is streamline. If you're going to make a 90-minute movie, don't try to make Lord of the Rings with all the different factions and the Ents and the Dwarves and the Elves and Boromir and all of this going on. No one named Elric. No one named Elric at all. Yeah, so I really think you could streamline this and just cut the Michelle Rodriguez storyline. Just, you know, cut... Actually cut Billy Zane. I mean, you could have Michelle Rodriguez in here. I like seeing strong women... In film, although I don't think their midriff bearing outfits are period accurate.
3: They look so unhappy to be here. They look like the warm up band to the Spice Girls 10 years too late.
2: <laughs> Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I want the hell out of here, is what I really, really want.
3: <laughs> yeah, I want to go make Avatar, is what I really, really want. <laughs>
0: They, they tried to make a big deal about her getting her new outfit and when she finally put it on i'm like oh i guess that is sort of different than what she's been wearing the whole time
2: yeah it's her game outfit and i'm like wait she wasn't in that before they give her a new outfit and then like she has that sex scene and she just tears it to pieces no it's after the sex scene they give her the new outfit because she got her last outfit got torn to pieces
3: oh see i got I got lost in the dream there. I thought that they gave her a new outfit i'm like, well if you're going to do that we're not going to make you any more clothes because you 're just <laughs> tearing them up <laughs> and then they give her the double armed blades too yeah they're you're right they're setting her up to be I guess this is kind of a prequel they're setting her up they're giving her her look she'll have in the very first. Moments of the video game. So I guess since she's a half vampire, she can live to be 60, 70 more years in New Orleans.
2: Even though Brimstone recruits her then, do they forget she was with them before? I don't know.
3: Yeah, well, everyone's dead by the end of this. What's remarkable is you would think that this would be leading to a big fight where all the people in Brimstone are happy because they've been liberated. Nope. All the thralls invade, kill everyone... And then Rain just goes to her father's castle and he proceeds to tie her up and try to extract
2: the eye and I guess the heart's in her too at this point. But we don't see that happen because we're supposed to be fooled. We're supposed to think she's bringing it in a box, but when Kingsley opens the box... It's empty, so she has absorbed the heart.
0: Okay, I missed that.
2: Yeah, and what does that give her? She was already immune to sunlight, so...
0: Okay? It keeps it from him. But I missed that completely. I was like, what is her plan? She just decided to give herself up to to this thing. She didn't have a plan to get away. They had to come in and save her, and she didn't know that they were on their way to save her. She's supposedly
3: stronger because she has two bodily organs that are not her own. It is all about transplants all of a sudden. Like, you only have a rib, and I've got a heart and an eye. But I don't feel like those things, like, they don't give her powers that she actually uses in these fight
2: scenes. Again, if you're trying to make Blade... At the end, you want to have a blood god, right? No. And here, there's no blood god. It's just an old man with a
3: sword. Yeah, I hated Blade, but I'm begging for it at this point. I would love to be in a movie of that quality.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, reveal that she has won this mission quest for for treasures. You know, have Ben Kingsley throw water on her and realize, oh, she has the eye. And you know, try getting her in sunlight. Nope, she has the heart. But these talismans end up being nothing but the vehicle to rush us to this terribly stodgy fight scene at the end.
2: Yeah.
3: Again, er- and everyone ends
2: up dead. Like Michael Matson just dies. He's stabbed through by Kingsley. I mean, it's a, it's a big moment there. He's held and Kingsley slowly moves that sword into him. Cause Kingsley ain't moving fast <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, yeah, I saw that,
3: but I guess I didn't realize, I guess I didn't see the sword placement. I didn't realize he was being stabbed, but I was surprised that no one was alive. When it's all said and done. When, of course, Rain emerges victorious because of shenanigans. She looks around and it's just a bunch of burning ashtrays and corpses. Like, there's nobody to celebrate her victory. She just, like, sits on a throne to rule over dead people.
2: Well, the thing is, here's the big moment, is Sebastian is also wounded. Sebastian fires a crossbow bolt to kill Kagan. And Kagan catches it meaning it was always in Kingsley's hand and we whip pan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then the way rain beats him is by shoving that bolt in. So without the help of Sebastian, rain wouldn't have won. And then rain goes to Sebastian and is going to bite him and turn him into a vampire so he can live. And he's like, no, I don't want to be that. Let me die. And so she does. And that's supposed to be sad.
3: Yeah, I, I totally gloss over what they're calling romance here because, I mean, this ain't even Underworld good. It's just like, no, you don't got anything going on with these characters. And, yeah, it's it's just this hollow moment to see someone victoriously sit on their throne ruling over nothing.
2: But here's where the extra four minutes is.
3: Okay, <laughs> tell me more.
2: Okay, there were two minor changes earlier. MPAA cuts One guy gets his throat slit, and it's much shorter in the rated version. Yes, I watched both. Lucky I felt I had to watch it twice, because I watched both cuts. And so a couple of the kills, literally two of the kills, are slightly shorter in the R-rated cut. But then, I have no fucking clue why. At the end of the movie, Rain sits in the throne, and then you get a four-minute montage of gore. Every (laughs) death from the movie is in a red-tinted replay. Like, she's remembering every death, even if she wasn't in the room for it. I don't know. But, like, every kill in one deadly, bloody, long montage. And then you cut back to her, and there's a slight hint of a smile in credits roll. It's like, That's the four minutes. Did you just do this to fuck with me, Uva? Did you just want to say it's five minutes longer of stuff you couldn't see, and you're just showing me what I've seen already in the film? What the fuck?
3: Yeah, that sounds like the kind of huckster move he would do. Like, yeah, like, why get you to pay to see something once when he can make you do it twice?
0: Yikes.
2: And, yeah, I don't know if she's taking that throne means she wants to rule, or she's just tired... (laughs) needs to sit down yeah all of
3: that sword fighting she didn't do
2: it's not like a single thrall comes and like kneels i mean if you want to do that you do the end of chronicles of riddick right where all the people are like shouting hail riddick hail riddick and they're suddenly his troops to command here she's sitting in a room full of corpses
0: and just sits down Yeah, I mean, there was nothing. I mean, Kagan doesn't change into his final boss form or anything. He just turns into, what, stone or he's bled out or something. I don't know, whatever that effect was supposed to be. But there was just no hump at the climax, you know. It was just kind of a, a gradual hill that we finally rested upon.
3: For the moment to make sense, she'd have to have had a goal that she wanted accomplished. I guess she wanted to kill her father. That really wasn't an overtly stated goal, but I guess...
2: Yeah, avenge her mother was overtly stated. And that's the only thing she ever wanted. And Sebastian, for reasons. Mm, Okay, so, alright. So she got half of what she wanted in this scene. But did we get anything we wanted? Justin Stewart. Do you recommend bathing in Blood Rain, Justin?
0: (laughs) I think I may have discovered how the writers on SNL wrote bits for Stefan. Remember Stefan, who would always come on Weekend Update? Yes, yes. Like, so as I was jotting down notes for this, I'm like, Blood Rain has everything. It has vampires, Sir Ben Kingsley, and a meatloaf (laughs) orgy. It's the hottest (laughs) new movie I'm now playing. (laughs) When you put it that way,
3: I almost wanted to go put it back on.
0: (laughs) Uh, I mean, come on. It's, it's an Uva Bowl movie and we've been here before, but I mean, I, I do have to point out a few things like, I hate using this word in the same sentence as Uva Boll. I will say the cinematography here is a little bit better than most of his movies. I mean, some of these aerial shots were actually nice looking. You know, they actually had some good on-scene shots of these mountainous regions, I'm guessing, in Romania and stuff like that. And it, it looked pretty decent. I mean, the first five, ten minutes of this movie gave me a little bit of hope that maybe this was before Boll went over the deep end and maybe we're actually going to see what he's actually capable of. Even though I didn't expect it to be a good movie, I thought maybe it'd be a more competently put-together movie.
2: Just a reminder, we said that exact same thing about In the Name of the King Part 1, too. It had those wonderful
0: sweeping aerial shots.
3: Yeah.
0: It also (laughs) had about
3: 40 more million dollars. True.
0: (laughs) But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know coming into these arcade movies, what I'm hoping for is at least fan service. If I was a fan of this video game, I guess I would have walked out of this even more disappointed because I didn't get much of the game in this video game movie outside of the character's look and maybe some of her moves and weapons. But from the sounds of it, it didn't follow the story of the game or even the time frame. So there's not anything to sink my teeth into there. So uh, I mean, unless you're an Uva Bowl completionist, I really don't see any reason to sit down and watch this movie. There's, there's nothing here to even like laugh out for how bad it is. It's just barely competent enough to be a shitty movie. So yeah, no, this is a red arrow for my end.
2: And might I just say, for anyone who is an Uva Bowl completist, might I recommend less detrimental hobbies like self-cutting or meth? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: Yeah, for me, the, the scene that typifies everything is like Michelle Rodriguez and Rain are like sparring and she says to the vampire, you lack passion. And, you know, find me a motherfucker in this movie that cares. Like the problem is not just that Rain has no passion for this. It's that Ben Kingsley comatose. And Michael Madsen, like just preferring to fall on the ground rather than actually do a fight scene, like just I've never seen. Honestly, we've seen a lot of bad Uva Bowl movies, but I've never seen an action movie where like it just was so resistant to the idea of stunts and fighting and doing things that action movie fans would want. Video games. Fans would want. Is it that Bull is incompetent in those things? He certainly had enough money to do it. I mean, you see these straight-the-tape action movies all the time. They don't have a budget, but they can deliver thrills. They could give you the basics even if they don't have a story. But. Shrieker Island didn't have a dime compared to this movie and was so much better. Yeah, no blood in its veins, no dexterity, no will to live. I mean, they can't even fire off a brown arrow. I didn't even have that many laughs other than Ben Kingsley. I do feel like just seeing him there trying to, like, poker face his way through this shit movie was kind of amusing, but I got over it quick. Let me tell you, this one was a hard sit. Even at 90 minutes, it felt eternal. And, uh yeah, I really just, for $25 million... In the Name of the King. I, even by Bull's standards, I expected more. It's not his worst movie, but I actually think it is his most boring.
2: Boring is indeed a good word for this. But, yeah, we talked earlier about the pain of childbirth and how you forget. I did forget how bad Bowl can be. I had forgotten most of In the Name of the King, to be perfectly honest. And like you said, Stuart, early on in this movie, I suddenly remembered it
3: all. It does. It comes back. You realize, like, I remember every... Like, Alone in the Dark 2, where they were
2: in the bathroom for, like, 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, God, that's (laughs) so awful. See, I didn't remember those. I didn't remember the House of the Dead or Alone in the Dark. I just remembered In the Name of the King, 1 through (laughs) 3. Okay. But I remembered everything about them. And so it was, like, just suffering that pain all again because... I mean, looking back, Postal's a high point. Shit.
0: It's my favorite bold movie. (laughs) It's the most memorable.
2: (laughs) Its trailer was before this movie on the DVD. So that's, it was very much in my mind. So it's bad, but its worst flaw isn't boredom. It's probably acting, but it's certainly just the incoherence that I shouldn't ever need to watch this movie twice in my lifetime let alone watch it twice just to understand the basic plot mechanics it's terrible i mean it's not even where the acting is so bad that you can brown arrow it i would love to say Mm -hmm. oh this is so troll too bad i would love michael madsen to be like they killed sebastian now they're gonna kill me Oh, my God. I mean, there's nothing even that good bad in this. Michael Madsen does look like he's on some downers. Like pained. Yeah. Tranquilized. And so does Ben Kingsley. All of them. It was in the food. And Michelle Rodriguez. At one moment, Michelle Rodriguez starts busting out a British accent. And I'm like, where did that come from? And then it goes away immediately. But there's not enough of it. To make this like a wonderful bad movie, either. So it's just a really like the strongest of not recommends. It's, it is truly toxic. And the downside is we got two more weeks of this shit on lower budgets. The only upside is, like you said, Stuart, there's a light at the end of the bowl tunnel. And I can't wait to get there already. Yeah. I, I look forward to
3: a time when we could watch video game movies made by people that had a little bit more passion for the video game. Like it just seems like Bold did not care about whatever he was making whatever the location allowed him to do and it had nothing to do with the game or the script or or anything. And so God only knows what two more of these blood rain stories are going to be, but yeah, hopefully they'll pass quick enough like a kidney stone. And in the meantime, Yeah, we we got uh, (laughs) something a little bit more intentionally satanic. This Friday, we're starting back up with our Gold Level series and The Omen, the original 1976 Richard Donner
2: film about the Antichrist being born. Yes, it's the last leg of our Gold Donation series. We did Silver way back early in the fall with the Wes Craven six movies, the two Last House on the Lefts, and the Four the Hills Have Eyes you get those for a $10 donation for a $25 donation. You get those shows and gold donors already got reviews of the Rosemary's baby films. We're starting the Omen. Now you can hear those with a donation of $25 or more, and you can go even higher for $35 or more. We also did the Cloverfield trilogy. And then because we thought, new movies were coming out we did bring back candy man it was supposed to come out in october after it was supposed to come out in summer <laughs> now it's supposed to be
3: coming out in september i think
2: yeah next fall so the reviews of the first three Candyman films are available and whenever it comes out if you donate now for candy man you will get the review of the new film And there was a new Deep Blue Sea movie, Deep Blue Sea 3, so those reviews and the Jaws reviews are available as well. All the details are at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. And while we're talking about helping us out, I also wanted to just ask, even if you guys can't donate, If you could head to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and write a little note under the five-star review. You know, just clicking five stars does help with the average, but putting a little note actually weights higher in iTunes. And if you use an iPhone app or an Android app, you know you get those pop-ups all the time. Are you enjoying this app? Leave us a review now. The reason they do that is because it is important to help with the app and it's important to help with our show so let me just say are you enjoying this show if so please head to itunes and leave us a five-star review (laughs) well that's
3: a little unfair who asked that on a blood rain review i mean come on at least
2: wait till the omen Nobody enjoyed this. Nobody. I'm just saying I had to sit through blood rain so if somebody could leave us a five star review it might help balance out the pain. (laughs) (laughs) So Justin Stewart, thank you for joining me and until next time game over.
1: See you around rain. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Oh, God, did you see that? Did you see that? Come back to nowplayingpodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast.
0: The man's power grew quickly into a force that could not be contained.
1: Also, at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, the Avengers films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. The rats will be eating well tonight. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We're growing weaker. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating.
2: I may have underestimated your value.
1: You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the now-playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Forgiveness does not come cheap find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. That's right. That's right. Donate all that you have. You can also join the Now Playing patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month. Plus, even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website.
2: Oh yeah, right
1: there. Yeah, right there. Oh yeah. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. If we're gonna do something, we gotta do it now. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Enjoy your stay. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. He's smart, too. He's got leadership abilities. Hell, I admire the son of a bitch. Associate produced by Jason Latham. We will take action if and when I authorize it. If and
2: when I authorize
1: it. Now Playing is edited by Steven, Heath, and Arnie. I just didn't know this shit. Now Playing Credits, read by Brock. You are certainly the most verbose. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts, and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. The man said it, and it's true. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. A little cocksucking entrepreneur. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vingonza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the expressed written permission of Vingonza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Say the sweetest things. Now Playing is a Vingonza Media Production Copyright 2020. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Nganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. I'm sick
2: of your half breed mouth. Goodbye.
3: 'Cause up to that point, House of the Dead made money and you could argue he had he had nothing to work with, so he just churned out drunk. He just churned out drun- Ugh, drunk drunk. <laughs> I bet he did. He just turned out junk. He probably did turn up drunk.
2: <laughs> so he- ah! A battle ensues and Rain is captured by Brimstone.
3: Rain and Not Brimstone. What? Not you said captured by Brimstone. Yeah. Well, okay, you're just skipping over the meatloaf shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Only Vladimir and Sebastian are here because I want to call her Selena Gomez. What's her name? <laughs>
2: Michelle Rodriguez.
3: Michelle Rodriguez is off doing some kind of like
2: <laughs> What was said in Billy Zane's letter is that Bridgestone wait, that's a tire company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait, what? Did they sponsor did Uber Bolt trick them to spending money on this? <laughs> So much is writing on your vampire. <laughs> <laughs>